Ladies and gentlemen, welcome uh, to Resolute TV. Uh, this is our first inaugural episode. One of our first inaugural guests is Father Chris Yates, um, Catholic priest, Manchester United fan. So I thought I'd, out of uh, you know, encouragement, show you the, the Arsenal jersey. Um, now, a few people have questioned me about having having Father Chris on, um, considering that it may be a bit boring or a bit uninteresting or why would you have this guy on? Obviously, there's a bit of a stigma attached to, to your profession. Mm -hmm. uh, let me assure you this guy is anything but boring. And Father Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. This is our first interview. So what we're going to try and do is sort of do a real introductory vibe, let people know who you are. And then hopefully over the next 10 weeks, we'll just do little bits and pieces of, of uh, religious freedom type discussions and, and other theological stuff. Sure. Well, um, well the, the main reason that uh, or my life begins with the fact that I am a Manchester United fan, as you just said, uh, because um, those who know English accents uh, well will, will be able to hear that I am from Manchester. Uh, although I've spent most of my life kind of on the edge of everything I've been involved in. And, and, and so just uh, like that with my birth, I was born on the edge of Manchester. So you can't win. I'm from a place called Altrincham. Uh, which is in the historic county of Cheshire, which is uh, <laughs> technically not Manchester, but is now part of Greater Manchester. Uh, um, but for those purists, I was born just over the river, uh, the river um, Mersey, into uh, um, in Lancashire itself, and in, in the city of Manchester. So uh, that's where I'm from. I'm from uh, a pretty standard working class family, uh, a non-religious family. My Parents were nominally Christian, I guess, um, but certainly didn't go to church uh, or didn't take me anyway. Um, and so uh, I was reasonably bright as a child. I went to the local grammar school in the end uh, to do my A-levels. So I had a kind of um, a good schooling, free schooling. It's an exam-based um, approach in England. And then um, I left Manchester at the age of 18 and moved to Oxford where I went to study geology um, and uh, uh, didn't really last in that field and so left and was a bit of a dropout uh, and uh, um, I, you know, did kind of jobs as a labourer, as a coffee shop worker and that sort of thing. Uh, and then I applied to join the police and so I became a policeman in Thames Valley Police uh, and eventually in the Metropolitan Police in London. Uh, I was a policeman for 10 years. Um, and I was on the riot team and did all those kind of uh, sexy jobs that, that people associate with um, with policemen, all the rough stuff. Uh, so I have any have any had anything but a sheltered life. Um, towards the end of that time in the police, I uh, I had been attending a church since I was about seventeen, eighteen. Uh, I'd come to faith through uh, actually a kind of Baptist charismatic tradition. As you can see in what I'm wearing, that, that's not where I am now, but that's uh, uh, that's where I encountered uh, the gospel, if you like. I knew the stories of Jesus, but I'd not seen uh, faith in action uh, before that. Um, as I deepened my um, scholarly uh, uh, understanding of Christianity, of church history, um, I uh, felt called to the priesthood. Um, I'm happy to talk about that at any time. Uh, it's not, uh, I, I, I hate the anti-language that Christians use. They say things like, oh, well, Jesus told me, 
you know, think, well, you know, did he send you a telegram? Did he, did he send an email? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think these things are really, really unhelpful. I mean, they are hilarious. They're laughably silly. They're, they're, they're well-meant, well-intentioned, and, and people within Christian circles understand what they mean by that. But actually, even when I was an established Christian attending church, uh, I really didn't know what that meant. Um, and I know what it means. It means that we think deeply, like any, what any human being does. We, we consider ourselves, we think deeply about a subject. We look for the signs that the way we're thinking, what we're thinking of doing is the right or the wrong thing to do. And we make a judgment based upon that. Um, anyway, I, I, I uh, then went to, um, back to Oxford to study theology. Uh, so I, I only study subjects that end in ology, obviously. Um, and was ordained, wow. <laughs> was ordained, and then I came out to Australia. I was recruited by uh, the then Anglican Bishop of Newcastle, so I was in the Church of England at that at that time, uh, and was ordained in the Church of England uh, as a deacon and a priest. Uh, and I came out to Australia, where I served in um, mainly regional Australia in in Port Stephens. Uh, in New South Wales, um, yeah. and I really enjoyed my ministry there. Had a, had a, a great time building up connections. Um, I should have said I was married. Uh, had uh, two children in England, and then another one when I came out here. Um, father of father of three, and father of a whole flock. Yeah, that's right, indeed. So father in more in 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 each each sense, um, and uh, have that joy, uh, and so. Uh, I, after ministry here, I was I was here for six years. Um, I kind of uh, realised that really, although I was always in the Catholic stream of Anglicanism, um, I saw the limitations of that, and, and and really that Anglicans, particularly in in this region of New South Wales, uh, really aren't interested in or how to say this delicately. Uh, we're heading on a path towards a more um, social justice, liberal view of Christianity uh, than was the Catholic faith. Uh, so I went back to England um, and was the vicar of Eastbourne on the south coast of England, had a massive shrine church, uh, a very supportive bishop, a wonderful bishop um, there. But sadly, my marriage failed. Uh, and uh, I came back to Australia uh, eventually and um, ha had some time out from active ministry, as I think is uh, necessary and needed um, when you've been through such a thing. Uh, and in that, during that time, I worked for a couple of federal senators uh, as, a, as a, a staffer, um, including Senator Lionhelm, who I know you've got on this show. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, Senator Lauren Holmes coming on. Who else? Who else? For arguments like you, I, I, I briefly worked for Senator Brian Burston. Uh, okay, okay. And so, uh, and and uh, I, I worked briefly as well as a contractor for the New South Wales Department uh, planning in the sort of media and comms environment uh, before moving back to full time education with the Australian Catholic University. Um, and that's where that's what I'm up to now. Uh, I'm back living in Newcastle. Um, my other half is Dr. Jennifer Buckingham of the, uh, well, for 20 years worked uh, uh, for the Centre for Independent Studies in, in Sydney, uh, uh, a good libertarian. Uh, you'd like her very much, I'm sure. 
Uh, oh, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> has done some great work in um, in uh, education, uh, in, in science and evidence-based uh, reading instruction in particular, uh, now works uh, in, in private industry, um, continuing that fight. Uh, so I've, basically, I kind of uh, had my uh, police experience uh, and my um, working as part of an establishment church experience uh, and political experience. Um, and uh, in February this year, I was uh, ordained again um, into the uh, Catholic Apostolic Church in Australia, which is a branch of the Brazilian Catholic Church. Um, and so, so, so for, for a layman or a, yeah. somebody like I'm non, non-religious, as we've sort of yeah. previously discussed in our, our chats, um, how would you explain the difference? How would you how would you sort of come come to people and say, you know, I mean, there's so many different denominations, so many Absolutely. different. Absolutely, and it's very unhelpful. <laughs> you know, it's very unhelpful, and in fact, there shouldn't be so many denominations. I mean, as as a as both a theologian and as a follower of Christ, uh, that we know there is only one church, uh, there is only one God. Uh, without getting too uh, into theology, this uh, yeah, um, and so we have to accept that we live in an imperfect situation in the life of the church. Um, as, a, as an Anglican priest, uh, I would pray daily for church unity. Uh, now, church unity means that uh, denominations need to end. Uh, and so I think we're starting to see, just as we had in the persecutions of Christians in the first four centuries of the church, um, there's, a, there's a renewed persecution of the church. It's not in some countries, it is martyrdom. In some countries, it is a red martyrdom. Uh, for the most part, and certainly in the West, that martyrdom is not one that, that costs you your life, um, but but one of reputational attack. Um, yeah. So, but to, to answer your question, um, the Catholic Apostolic Church in Australia, being part of the Brazilian Catholic Church, uh, the Brazilian Catholic Church schism from Rome um, but maintained uh, the, the valid uh, orders. So uh, the first bishop was a Roman Catholic bishop, and that's continued the apostolic succession uh, to our day. Uh, he schism with Rome o- over many factors of which people can research themselves if they want to. Um, but he was a bit of a reformer. This was ahead of the Second Vatican Council. Uh, this was in the 30s and 40s. Uh, and amongst other things, he believed that priests and bishops should be able to be freely married. Uh, he um, believed that divorce and remarriage should be dealt with um, uh, differently within the church. Uh, he believed that priests, bishops, deacons should uh, be able to have their own income, thereby relieving the burden on the poor. They very much had a, a vision for the church amongst the poor. Uh, and as is actually proving to be the case now in Australia, uh, they closed <laughs> churches where communities can't afford to support priests in the, in the, in the major established churches, Anglicans, for example. Um, yeah. And so, well, actually, if you have a model where clergy earn their own money, have their own means, um, then actually priests can be where they're needed rather than where they can only be afforded. So I'm in, I'm in that uh, church. We're, we're just establishing really in Australia. Our bishop's only been here for two years um, and we're the first mission in Newcastle. Um, but we're essentially, our doctrine is the same as the Catholic Church, uh, the okay. Council of Trent. Uh, I, I, guess, uh, I guess the bit I really love about that's the self-sufficiency element of, of your, 
your yeah. sort of religion. A big question as a libertarian, you go, well, why should the government fund people and why should yeah. the church all be funded by poor people as well? Uh, it's a, it, it opens a, a pretty, pretty interesting um, theological well, there's discussion. There's a lot of ethical questions around that. I mean, um, you know, if you look at, uh, there have been various models of, of um, the state and the church interacting. Uh, my, my, my personal view um, and my theological view is that is that where the state and the church are too close, uh, both suffer. Uh, if you look yep. at the the extremes of the wickedness that's been done in the name of the church, the church can never be wicked because the church is the body of Christ. But when people act in the name of the church, even if they're bishops and priests or popes, um, when they've done wicked things, is when the church has had too much temporal control. Uh, yeah. And also, there's there's the the, the shadow side of that. We look at totalitarian countries, Stalin's Russia, um, China today, where actually the state is over-influencing the life of the church, where they, they believe that they should choose who the bishops are um, yeah. and therefore have control over what's taught. Um, and so, you know, these arguments are not new. They were being had by Machiavelli in Italy uh, in medieval times, the, um, Thomas Hobbes, uh, Which ironically, you'll probably find some Machiavelli's books up here somewhere. I've read I them. I've got so. them in my library. I have. I have an interesting eclectic sort of uh, reading reading range. Yeah. Uh, but look, I mean, all these things, Father Father Chris. One of the reasons I selected you to be one of the people that I'd like to reach out to is mm -hmm. one because we do have some sort of some common ground, but we also have some differences, which yeah. I think yeah. is brilliant in today's day and age. Most people sort of find themselves in really, really small echo chambers. I don't want this show to be an echo chamber. I want to give lots of people different thought processes and create that. But I'm also hoping to, to show that to other people. You don't have to be necessarily, I mean, as I'm officially an atheist, you're obviously a, a very committed believer. We can have adult discussions and talk about great ideas and, and thoughts and concepts. And that's what I'm hoping to achieve out of this. I think one of the great tragedies of, of our age is that, um, you know, even in having this conversation now, um, uh, that people think that, well, I've got to think the same way. So if I've said something, if I've been recorded, if I'm on camera like this saying one thing, that somehow if I then change my mind uh, or, or have a different understanding in a couple of years' time, then, you know, some, somebody with a button will say, gotcha, this is what you really think. Well, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a human being. And we change throughout life. I'm, for example, from very much a socialist labour family. I'm from Manchester, the north of England. Uh, although my paternal grandfather was a was a Thatcherite and a Tory, uh, so I, I guess I did have some kind of, uh, of of balance in my family, but not very much so. And you know, I was a member of the Labour Party in England until I was 24, I think. Uh, yeah. Right. And by that time, I'd been in the police for four years and uh, had a different view of uh, uh, of uh, an increased role for government. Uh, and so, um, <laughs> you know, and I went on that natural journey. And now, I mean, I think we met at the Freedman Conference in 2017 uh, yeah. or 18, I can't remember. And, uh, you know, my, my talk was on Our Lady of Grantham, Margaret Thatcher. So, uh, you know, we are allowed to evolve. And, and funnily, funnily enough, when I worked in London, I used to cook for Margaret Thatcher. She was a regular at the restaurant. I, I spent two years working in, in Piccadilly Circus there. Uh, the Iron Lady was, was a regular in there. It was a 
you know, it was a brilliant old restaurant. Absolutely, had loved the experience, but it was a real political class-driven driven venue. Oh, yeah. Margaret Thatcher oh, yeah. was one of them. You know, it was an amazing spot. So that's yeah, it's it's really a lot, of my, a lot of my family. Um, you know, my kind, not my close family, but my extended family. You know, they don't talk to me now. <laughs> ah, right. So you've been bitten by that bug. That's, yeah, 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 I mean that's, that's 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 part of this. It's it's, it's that sort of thing's sad, you know. If you can't have a difference of opinion with your family and your friends over just about it, other than football, <laughs> and possibly and possibly you know beer, beer and wine, we need to navigate you know the value there. But I mean, you know, you should be able to have a difference of opinion. You should be able to discuss it. And if if you're that offended by somebody else's idea, does your does your argument or your perspective have enough merit that it can stand on its own if you've got to be offended absolutely. by somebody challenging it that's just my thoughts as a as a bogan well, Aussie. I, mean, I would bring it i would bring it back to first principles on that i mean i would say that uh, one one concept that that unites people i mean people who seem wicked to us still have a commitment to this is this idea of love people want to think of themselves of love as loving people unless they're really you know possessed beyond all hope ideologically demonically whatever you want to say you know um but we would all say well we believe in love well if love only extends to people who you like or who do nice things to you or who agree with you or 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 who flatter your ego that's not that's not love at all um yeah. that's actually you know just kind of having your needs met uh, it's actually quite selfish. It's a bit, bit ego. I, I, I like I like you because you agree with me, not because I like or love you. Or it's, it's because yeah, we have same, we're, we're we're both Arsenal fans. Therefore, we must be best friends. <laughs> but we can't we can't be friends. We must be at war if you're a Manchester United fan. It's, it's in. I mean, it's a simple way of uh, pointing it out. It is. I mean, it, it is almost. Well, and, and that's that why we, we it's actually counter evolutionary in many ways. I mean, you know, we have ways of thinking in our brains. Which I mean, and I'm not claiming to be, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm not a psychoanalyst, and I'm not, a, uh, I'm not a, 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 an evolutionary biologist either. But we have mechanisms in our brains that are quite useful, uh, that are kind of binary. So you're walking through the jungle in India, and you see a tiger, and your brain is, doesn't serve you well if it says, "Well, is it a nice tiger? Is it a friendly tiger? Is it not a friendly tiger?" Your brain is served by going, "That's a tiger. Get out of here." Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, of course. Now, as human beings, we're capable of far more complex um, thoughts uh, and ideas. This is, this is the study of philosophy, of course. And actually, that reflex goes against our best interests. And so yeah. whenever we reach a binary, and I, we're all guilty of it. I'm not, I'm not um, one thing I am is a sinner, and I know that. Uh, and so, and all this nonsense. From my, so from my, from my understanding, every human is. Therefore, nobody's. Is, is it every, everybody's fallible? Yeah, yeah. Everyone except Jesus. But um, uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, I mean, St. Paul famously said, "You know, all have sinned and fall short." Jesus was a chef, wasn't he? What was that? Sorry, Jesus. He was a chef, wasn't he? Oh, no, I was a carpenter. Carpenter. He was a chippy. Yeah, yeah. Skilled uh, <laughs> worker is the, is the is the Greek word. We we, we say carpenter. Skilled worker is the word that's used in Greek, but um, uh, uh, in any case, he was kind of working class. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I think um, when, when it comes to relationships with people, unless we're willing to um, give the devil his due, to use a, a phrase, uh, you know, people can have opposing views, but hold them 
with the best intentions and in fact have a rationale, uh, a philosophy behind it, which is coherent. And I can just go, yeah, I, I understand that and I respect that. I have this different view and they can respect that. Uh, it, it tends to be simplistic where we say, well, everything about your view is evil. Uh, so even yeah. though I think socialism is the wrong way to live, that doesn't mean I think all socialists are evil. Of course, yeah, that. yeah. Doesn't mean I don't think some socialists are worth listening to. Uh, or have done wonderful things, which actually non-socialists have then been able to, to develop. Uh, so, you know, this kind of binary oppositions of it's either us or them is just ridiculous. Except on the football terraces. I think there's something, there is something quite is. nice to go back to our primeval roots. And, you know, <laughs> and when I stood. Uh, no, I love, uh, yeah, I, I love it. It's very important. So look, when I'm stood at the stand of Old Trafford and Arsenal fans are to the left of me, you know, it's just nice to it, is, it is what it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, Father Chris, thank you for your time on this particular this particular chat. This was like a little introductory for, for sure. the, the whole series. Uh, I'm looking forward to chatting to you hopefully each week if you're you're still committed to, to doing that with me. Absolutely. And no. we, can, we, can, we can develop the topics and we'll do some uh, little ads so people can know what topic we're going to tackle each 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 week. Um, and then if we grow it off to, I heard a rumor you want to do a cooking show. We can hopefully, when we're out of isolation, we'll do we'll do some do some cooking shows together, or we'll do something fun. And I've got so, all my um, cooking analogies ready for you. When we start talking philosophy, I'll I'll put it in cooking terms for you. How much fun will it be? We'll have a good time. We'll have a good time. 